This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Kids, do you like professional wrestling? Well, uh, we enjoy professional wrestling, too. This is Shake Them Ropes on the busiest week in professional wrestling history. I am Jeff Hawkins. He is Chris Novembrino. Chris, are you ready to go through seven-plus days of what has to have been since the history of this show, the busiest week of professional wrestling? It is kind of mind-numbing how many headlines are on this page in front of me like it it like hurts my i remember all these things happening and i thought like the first topic alone was enough to make up like a decent little chat section of the show and uh then these stories just kept on coming and coming and coming so yeah i'm ready i'm ready it's the end of my day i uh, after this the defeated sounds of chris this i can like cry and sleep and and that usually paves me for hours i've been drinking palomas all day so i am really <laughs> a very nice combination of uh grapefruit soda and tequila and lime juice it is uh it's very very nice but when last week <laughs> there will be no lazy river this week it's just gonna be going through it's this just week. the river it's, it's just the it's river just the river i guess but when you last heard shake them ropes we had logged off on New Year's Eve, relaxed, kind of confident in doing a good job. And then Big Swole decided to do an interview. Actually, she had done this the day before, talking about her release from AEW. And Tony Khan decided to comment on it because, look, in addition to other points that were, I believe, you know, somewhat justified, Big Swole kind of insinuated that AEW is racist. <laughs> or that she didn't get opportunities based on race. And so Tony Khan decided he had to defend himself and then ended it with a plug for Rampage. And also, by the way, Big Swole's not a very good wrestler. And I just, I just slammed my head. Look, here, I will give my opinion, then we'll throw it to you, Chris. Number one, Tony Khan needs to say nothing. Just needs to say absolutely nothing. It doesn't matter if he's justified in his defense of his company. Number one, he shouldn't be the the face of his company. Number two, you are a child of some privilege. You are a guy who doesn't really know wrestling. You're a guy who books wrestling. You have all the power here. Just let it go, dude. And keep the relationship as good as you can, because you never know if you're going to need to call her up. And she might improve, whatever. For me, the big swole comments, other than the racial thing, were more interesting than the racial thing. To be honest with you, I I just think swole didn't know what she was getting into when she signed with this company. It's it's kind of the difference between a first-round draft pick and a fifth-round draft pick in the NFL. And I think she thought that everybody being signed in that wave of, for lack of a better term, uh, inclusionary that they went on a big round of new and inclusionary. They were marketing it as such. And Hey, we're going to be this kind of organization, blah, 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 blah. 
And she's upset they didn't make her a star. And I get that. I get that that's a bit of a, a sore subject. You look at her pro fight DB, she won like 16 of her last 18 matches. But let, let's talk about this for a second. There were people who were made coming into AEW. Most of the executive vice presidents, et cetera, et cetera. The women's division already was started poorly because of what Kenny Omega did here. But also, you didn't have a lot of people who knew how to, quote unquote, create a star week by week in the professional wrestling industry. So some of them, some people had to kind of, I think, take a chance on a promo or something like that. And they didn't. And I think I I tend to think from listening to Swole that she thought there was going that there was a plan here. There's a plan here to make me a star and they're going to walk me through it and they're going to guide me through it. And there was no guide there. First round draft picks are uber talented. They get lots of money and they get lots of reps on the field. Fifth round draft picks have to work their ass off to make the team. And then they have to improve to prove that they can get the time on the field. I just think she thought everybody signed was a first round pick and she wasn't. This is no disrespect to her. I just think it was not knowing what you didn't know in some ways, Chris. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack with this whole debacle. Uh, I, I think when we start with Swole, I concur with you broadly speaking. Look, I, I saw Swole's run here in AEW and to borrow a word from the Simpsons, it was perfectly cromulent. <laughs> there was nothing remarkable about what she does in the ring. And while I, I get that she has like a niche appeal thing, when we're talking about putting the belt on someone and doing a long form multi-month belt push, which is, let's be real here. Uh, I think having watched what happened with Kofi Kingston, having, having watched what happened with Big E Langston, I think it's pretty clear the type of people who want to see Big Swole get belted also want to see Big Swole go through a multiple month, multiple title defense push. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be the only right answer for this sort of angle. So then it gets to the practical. Can Big Swole carry 20, 30 minute matches as the best person in the ring, which is what the job is as the, the head of the division? And to my eyes, for my entertainment value, I, I don't know about wrestling. I, I can't do an arm drag. I've taken a few reverse DDTs for my friends when I was 16. Um, but to my eyes, I'm not interested in watching Big Swole carry 30-minute matches where she's the best worker in the ring. And that is the name of the job. And so I think that her vision that she is owed a push or at a talent level where she deserves a push at this echelon, I, I think is not realistic. And, and I think also not realistic is the idea that it is AEW's job to build Big Swole's talent level from where she is presently at 
to the requirements of that, especially when you have someone like Britt Baker, who had never had this level of a main event push at this point and still needed to be made at this point and was ready to be made. And and we've seen the proof is in the pudding. Britt Baker's a fantastic wrestler. Um, you know, however you want to slice it. Um, I, I think that now we, we need to pivot to Tony Khan's tweet. Um, so... <laughs> everything about the tweet's awful yeah awful it's really 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 bad it's stupid and bad and dumb and poorly worded and the idea that at the end of like a bit of commentary about race and all that stuff oh by the way tune in to rampage uh like <laughs> Yeah, no, Tony, go away. Tony, go away. And I, I, I have been saying for months there's been too much Tony Khan. I, way before people were on the there's too much Tony. Oh, Hawkins, Hawkins there too. Hawkins there Thank too. You. This is a minority opinion, though. It's a minority Yes, it opinion. is. Yeah, I know. Everyone's like, I love TK. Uh, no, I could totally see where this was going with TK. Uh, this whole way down. It's um, quickly Guy's becoming, got thin skin. He's surrounded becoming, by yes men, as these type of people are. And yes, go ahead. It's quickly becoming. TK presents AEW. Yes. And it was like it that one that first time he decided to come on camera, right? He couldn't help himself. Yes. He needed to right the wrongs. He needed to be the hero in front of the audience. No, too much TK. Uh, I, I TK didn't need to address this here. Um, I don't really ever need to address it. Period. But I'll At go all. one step. I'll go one step further. Um, I think the one place where TK uh, did himself some trouble here is that months ago he said that Big Swole when he released her, oh she's a fantastic wrestler or whatever. And, and like I, I right. I'm with you too. Uh, you know you gotta leave the door open to work with her again or whatever. But I, I think there's got to be a way for Khan when he is releasing people who are kind of the mid-tier, making up kind of the, the middle of the sandwich in the division, um, to sort of indicate like, look, um, we like to have various toppings in the middle of the sandwich at different times. Uh, you know, like, like the, the, the stuff, you know, like it's rather than sort of imply, well, she's a world league talent. Uh, I can't, you know, no, 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 no. Like, I, I think there's a way to more diplomatically address this. Um, and then last, I, I will bring up the way Tony Khan was defending the racial diversity, while not unfactual, comes off as sort of gobbledygookish and non-sequiturial at times. It's not a fight you can win, no matter even if you are a minority. So because this is a more a class thing than anything as well with with Tony Khan. So just just walk away. I mean, Swole, look, in Swole's defense also, there weren't a lot of indies she could book to, to get a little bit more seasoning to get longer matches. Now she's going to have that chance with wrestling opening back up. But uh, yeah, there's, this, is an, this, this, is, this is fighting with a pig <laughs> it, it, in terms of that, that thing. You know, you go in the ah, mud. That's not my favorite metaphor. Okay, never mind. But, but you know what I mean. It, it, it's one of those things where it's like you're getting dirty and the only one that likes it. I, I, I get what you're trying to say. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. I'm, I'm absolutely. Not, I, I, okay. It's, it's, he called her. No, I, he didn't. Okay. Let's just move on. Uh, Smackdown. I have no notes for it. I'm moving on. You, you killed my light, Shaw Hawkins. Yes. No, I have no notes on Smackdown. It was a show Ram that happened. Rampage was insane with this tag team match tag team street fight between Penelope Ford and the bunny versus Ty Conti and Anna Jay. 
where four four blondes became four non-blondes. Hey, what's going on? Ty Conti. <laughs> don't do this to me. I hate that song. Uh, <laughs> Ty Conti. I don't know. Penelope Ford decides to do a moonsault flip down to a table that Anna Jay's on, and it doesn't break. It doesn't break. Anna Jay's, bl- or uh, the bunny's blading like a champ. Anna Jay puts barbed wire, fake barbed wire, but barb- something with a barb on it around her arm, nevertheless. This thing, this thing, number one, over-delivered, but was absolutely preposterous at the same time. It, it, that's the only word I could use for it. Yeah, right. It's just, it's, the level of work is not commensurate with the angle. And yeah, no, it over-delivered, but like. People think it, we stink. It, Let's try and kill each other here. <laughs> yeah, it, like it, it over-delivered like if Dolph Ziggler had like, no, one of those uh, weird Memphis street fights with all the instruments yes. or whatever that wildly over-delivers. So yes. you, you go, okay, that over-delivered, but like, what did that deliver? Exactly. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Ty Conte, the final shot is just laughing on the floor. It's like, all right, look, keep character while we're all trying to keep in here. But I watch this, I go, my God, somebody's going to die in AEW doing this. Between this and Jeff Hardy landing that one time in the uh, w- w- the, the Guevara match where he like l- took off off the uh, ladder and he like splat on his head. It's like, guys, let's save stuff for the pay-per-view, okay? We, Rampage doesn't have to be <laughs> that kind of show. It, it was just insane. Moving on. Also, Friday night, New Year's Eve. Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green got married in Vegas. Now, why is this on the rundown? Well, it affected the rest of the shows the rest of the week. Why, Chris? COVID. <laughs> Cody, part of the writing, out. Part of Battle of the Belts. The Inspiration and Rachel Ellering, all both test positive. They were out for a hard to kill this evening, which I watched as well. Yeah. Don't know if it was at the wedding because Cardona, Chelsea Green, Deanna Perrazzo, Steve Macklin were all there and were all part of the pay-per-view tonight. So you can't say it was necessarily a super spreader event, but <laughs> Chris. It, uh, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck and sounds like a super spreader event, it might very well be a super spreader event. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here. Some of the people you listed off to were also at the, uh, the infamous ricochet party oh, last yes. year, correct? Yes. I believe that yeah. was, that was at the, uh, Perazzo Macklin residence or was at the Cardona residence. So I can't remember which one, but yes. Right. Uh, well, you know, I, I mean, especially at that point, like you, you can, if I'm reading in between the lines or certainly like, let, let's just assume I am a wrestler on one of these shows and I don't know these people particularly well, but I also know those two discrete points of information at this point. Like I would be really, really reticent to work with these people if I didn't know their vaccination status, because it seems like they're a little bit reckless when it comes to COVID safety. Um, and, and the fact that they keep seeming to find themselves in, in these uh, predicaments is, is alarming. Uh, you know, I, I, I get it. I, I, I get keeping these people off the show. Mm-hmm. Moving on to Saturday, 
WWE's new quote unquote event spectacular. What was, what did they call it? They called it something like a premiere event. That, that that's what the terminology was used. No, no longer, premium, a premium, premium event. event. Thank you. Thank you for correcting me there. Uh, I'm Chris. Yeah, no, it's no, just, you, you really got to get the nomenclature <laughs> right for your sports entertainment. Yes, in what they are sure to be a holiday tradition for the WWE day one going up against great college football, which I watched instead. But then I came back to this. But anyways, Roman Reigns announcing earlier in the day he had tested positive for COVID and was out of the event. That was the least of their worries here as Ridge Holland got a broken nose via Ricochet in the pre-show tag match between Ricochet and Cesaro and Sheamus and Ridge Holland. That poor guy can't catch a break at times. Becky and Liv had a fairly decent women's title match for on the raw side. Problem was the ending was completely botched when Becky couldn't reach the ropes to tag. And so they just moved on with it. And now they're going to move on to a triple threat where Liv doesn't deserve it. Dewdrop doesn't deserve it. And, and Bianca Belair deserves it. But now she's saddled with these two for a match. It should be interesting. And then, of course, we need something to do with Brock Lesnar because we're paying him way too much. And he flew down already. So they put him in this fatal five-way. And he won the title. He won the belt on the other show by defeating the other four people. And, and look, it was a decent match. There was wrestling up and down that was pretty good on this entire show. The New Day and the Usos can't do any wrong, quite frankly. I just thought it was a, a less than stellar goodbye to the Big E title reign, to be honest with you. But that's me, and they have their plans, and they're going to go on with them. I mean, it's not just a less than stellar goodbye to the Big E title reign. It's a less than stellar title reign for Big E. And this is a guy who really was due to be made here in this run. And because it's been so long in the making, it makes you really worry that this guy will never get past the ceiling. And it just seems like such an unbelievable crime uh, for having watched this guy since he was still Dolph Ziggler's side item. And to watch him develop from that, show signs and flashes of like real brilliance and real intensity and real ability to carry things, uh, for them to finally put the belt on him and to have, have, have him lose it in this sort of weird, unceremonious way with like no clear heat or anything and no real desire for the chase. Oh, man, it sucks. Um, I don't want to say that Roman was the least of their worries on this show. I mean... Yeah, Rich Holland's a problem, but like, you know, I don't know how much they had for Rich Holland. I know they wanted to do something with him, but like, you know, Roman Reigns is Roman Reigns. Same thing with Liv Morgan. Roman Reigns is Roman Reigns. Um, I I think the COVID thing, too, is alarming. And this is is the other part of, you know, why do they need to sort of try to contain this in the locker room? Long COVID and the associated conditions with long COVID can affect, you know, it's not going to affect everyone. Well, Roman's issues are. are He also has. Right, right. But like, like, I'm still saying this broadly, Um, you know, even if he didn't have the leukemia thing, let's say Roman Reigns has long COVID and is unable to go beyond 10 minutes. Now he is no longer a main event title. So I give you. Yeah. You know, if you're a wrestler, you do have to be kind of worried about this COVID thing because, you know, let's suppose you're vaccinated everything. I am, but like, I'm still worried that I could get long COVID. Um, and I'm just sluggish that the tiredness comes and goes in waves. And this is a, this is a job 
wrestling where you know tiredness coming going away yes is cardio cardio is, is cardio is thousands important. of dollars and we, and we right? saw this issue with with roman as well when he came back from leukemia and he couldn't go for a while yeah i i, I no, I botched the wording on that. I said least of the worries, and that wasn't what I meant by that. No, I, 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 I wasn't. I wasn't trying to. I was like the. first. No, but you're of correct it. in yeah, calling yeah. me out on that, quite frankly. But, but I was just saying it was. I meant it was the first of their worries. <laughs> and, and I guess this is this as from a business mindset is why I do think every wrestler should really be taking this coronavirus seriously. Is that like it? The hospitalization rates, yes, sure. It's like one out of a hundred. That's actually still pretty high. I'd be, I'd be worried about that. But the the long COVID and sort of the broader impacts, uh, you know, basically what I'm saying is a lot of bad things can happen, and you don't have to go to the hospital, and you can have a lot of long term side effects that you don't need to go to the hospital for. And and for wrestlers, that can be money. Yeah. Um. Continuing on in this weekend, Sunday. At a house show in North Carolina, Sasha Banks was injured out four to six weeks, also out of the Rumble. Told that it was not going to affect the Rumble or the plans for WrestleMania because uh, her and Charlotte are not penciled in for that. So it's one of those things where, I, you know, I have my theory on what what Sasha's program is going to be for Mania because it has to be decent. But, uh, you know, between Bailey being out, Sasha being out, Asuka, don't know if she's going to be able to return for the Rumble either. They announced all these people on Friday, and we'll get to that. Or actually, what today's Friday. No, yesterday's Friday. <laughs> I don't know what day it is anymore. Um, yeah, the, this uh, this uh, women's division, uh, given the cuts and now given the injuries, they're, they're going to be scraping by for 30 women, I think. Well, well, I heard that they told Mickey James to pack her trash bag and get on the student's flight. Yeah, we'll get to that when we get to Friday. Yeah, maybe, maybe couldn't even get Aaliyah. the joke out. Oh, jeez! Well, I mean, I, I said this, I said the same thing when they said it's like Vince is out there. All right, she gets eliminated. We put her in a trash bag. No, Vince. No, no, we can't do that, Vince. <laughs> I mean, terrible. Uh, but Sasha's a must-see draw for the show. So that's a, I mean, it'll be interesting to see they put her on TV at least, but uh, I think it's a knee injury. And so we'll see how that goes too. That's going to be, knee, knees are funny things as they say, uh, or as I say. Monday, we get to Raw. Brock is the champ. He comes out. Looks like it's a babyface promo, at least temporarily with Paul Heyman. I'm not sure anymore, to be honest oh, with you. Oh, are we coming up on uh, on my favorite segment of the show? Oh, are you going to read about Raw? Is, is it time for Chris Reeds about Raw? Sure, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead and you finish telling me about Brock, Brock Lesnar. Well, here. I was going to say, hey, there was a fatal four-way. Bobby Lashley won. So the match that's never been seen is going to be seen again. And there's there's a ridiculous three way for the number one contender for the Raw Women's title. Now you can read about Raw. Okay, so on Monday night, uh, what did we have? Uh, we had Otis and Chad Gable in a tag team match here. Yes. Okay. Let me. I I I thought they are I the had... Alpha Academy. They are a tag team, Chris. No, I know that. They, yeah, they're in a tag team match here. No, I was I was trying to get the results. I thought I had the results up, but I had I had a preview instead. They, as we were talking about before the show, um, I am kind of uh, run amok by this new F4W uh, like 
rewrite here. Okay, so first the show opens with Paul Heyman welcoming Brock Lesnar to the ring. And Lesnar said that he knew Roman was at home watching the real champion before thanking Heyman for pulling the strings to get him into the WWE Championship match. Have they paid off any of the writing on this, or is this just absolutely incoherent retcon? It's Uh, incoherent retcon. Okay, I just want to make sure. Then Bobby Lashley, oh wow, he defeats Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, and Big E to earn a shot at the WWE Championship. Like, Like what I was saying about Big E, because I watched day one, like this, this, yeah, this is bad. Like, like, like this, this is, this is embarrassing. Um, all right. Next we get Chad Gable and Otis <laughs> defeating RK bro via pinfall. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, that's exciting. Um, Otis hits riddle with the front slam and then Otis and Gable, um, attack before the match. And after Gable says that he's going to defeat RK bro, they're not going to beat RK bro. No, they just, just had to beat him for the number one contender. No, 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 because no, you right, have to right, beat right. your champions to make them look weak. Yeah. Oh, and that now Reggie and Dana Brooke are a tag team. So we are finally <laughs> see we're finally doing intergender Hawkins. We're doing intergender. Um, you know th- this is going to be fun. Reggie and Dana Brooke defeat Tamina and Akira Tozawa. That's a hot team. Uh, Reggie hit <laughs> Tozawa with a flipping senton. Um, and, and the stipulation is that. Oh, the 24-7 championship was on the line during the match. Yes. Wow. Dana Brooke is your historic 24-7 champion. Yeah, no, I know. I, I mean, she, okay. I, I know she, I know she's the champion. I, yeah, like, like it's a, I read. Okay, good. I, yeah, I, I read about this show. Thanks, Hawkins. <laughs> I, I never miss a week. Bianca Belair and Liv Morgan interrupt a Becky Lynch promo. Um, I'm assuming Lynch was sort of brutally overshadowing both Liv Morgan and Bianca Belair and not making Liv Morgan look good at all during this. She's doing um, her Elton John routine slash yeah. Seth Rollins routine. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Liv Morgan, we're just done with her. Okay. That's cool. Um, then we get Carmella and Queen Zelina defeating Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley. I'm assuming that this is just building to the Rhea Ripley breakup. Um, you think, but it's taken a while. Yeah, you think you're right. You're right. Maybe, maybe they stay and remain friends. How touching. I'm guessing one eliminates the other in the rumble. Oh, you're right. I bet you Rhea finally eliminates Nikki in the, in the rumble to finally to try to like, maybe Rhea ends up winning the uh, rumble. Maybe that's how we're going to try to get Rhea's heat back. Okay. Um, that's exciting. Um, Street profits defeat Apollo Cruz and commander as is via pinfall. Um, cool. Uh, profits guessing- and RK bro had a pretty good match at day one. Yes. Yes, they did. I, I mean, I just, Aziz, I I think is is pretty green still. Yeah. And they haven't really done anything with them. Like I love Cruz and the Street Profits and Cruz are all good, but like you're really having to cover up for Aziz. Um, Damian Priest defeats Dolph Ziggler via pinfall. Okay. Um, so the the stipulation here is that he had no champions advantage because he has a temper. Wow. <laughs> Edge, are you it, done yet? Are we there? No, no, we're not. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. We got Edge and Beth Phoenix challenging the Miz and Maurice. Can't wait. Um, Omos defeats AJ Styles with a choke bomb. They don't have the time on this match, but I bet you it was like three minutes and 50 seconds or some crap. This is uh, the dumbest feud, Chris, because uh, Omos cannot wrestle. Well, not just that, but they've now reversed the positions, whereas AJ was obviously going to be the heel coming out of this and Omos the big baby face, and now they've switched them. AJ's now the baby face after talking crap to Omos all those weeks. 
Yeah, he's belittling him the entire time and saying he's like the brains of the team. Yeah. I I mean, the thing with this show, and this is why I read about Raw and I don't watch it, is this show insults your intelligence for watching it or paying attention to it more closely. And that actually you get rewarded the less closely you pay attention. Yes. Just shut up and watch. You can. Well, no, it's like not even that. Shut up and watch sometimes when you know that there's going to be some decent action in the ring. Because if you try to watch it too much, you might actually start to understand the story and then you'll start to hate it. What you need is to just kind of catch it on a fluke night where they have a good wrestling match on the off chance. Yep. Also, Monday night, Tuesday morning in Japan, Wrestle Kingdom, New Japan's WrestleMania night one, not doing buy one, get one free. <laughs> Shibata returned to the ring, changed the stipulations of his grappling match to include strikes. So he did a full-on pure wrestling match couple years after having to retire due to brain issues. Interesting. I hope he's, I hope he stays safe, but this was a fun match. This was, you know, a lot, a lot of chops, a lot of, a lot of hits. I, I just don't push it. That's all I ask. Uh, you know, here's what I think Shibata should do. If he is back and he's good to go, it is time to do the America run. AEW and the legend that is Katsuyori Shibata over in the United States, especially with the proper presentation and showing sort of his like heyday 2013, 2014, some of those G1 classics. I think that he's just like tailor made to be the silent imported assassin to AEW. Perfect title defense for Paige. This guy is just gunning for him for like four weeks, eight weeks. Um, he could basically do the thing that they were trying to do with Danielson that was kind of hit and miss. Um, you could have Katsuyori Shibata be that silent assassin, the man with the golden gun chasing after Adam Page. Um, I, I, I think the time is right for him to come over here and work the American style that's a little bit safer and a little bit less demanding. Also, Katsuchita Okada defeated Shingo Takagi for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. He will move on tomorrow night to face on to face one Will Ospreay. So that uh, happened as well. You know, other than those matches, I won't watch the rest of the card, to be honest with you. But those two matches were very, very good, I thought. We go to two. It's a real shame, though, because like Wrestle Kingdom card should be. Yes. Yeah. But they weren't allowed to cheer. They're only allowed to clap. It was very weird and stilted to watch it as well because they don't want, they don't want, they don't want germs spreading. So you can politely clap, but you can't really cheer, which doesn't make for a good wrestling crowd, to be honest with you. Yeah, right. I think the science of that is sound. I think the um, execution of that is weird. Tuesday, Jake Atlas officially signed with all elite wrestling. Just for it to go wrong on Wednesday, which we'll get to in a moment. But when he was signed, I said this. They originally were going to make him a big part of AEW, and he chose to go WWE because it was his dream. That said, if he can, if he can, we watched him in 205 and we watched him in NXT, and occasionally there were flashes of a great promo out of him. If he can pull that out of him, he's already then better than three of the pillars they have now. Because while Sammy, Darby, and Jungle Boy all have credibility with the crowds, you know, Jungle Boy has the entrance with Baltimore. Sammy has had the program with Jericho. He's a Spanish God. He has, you know, he has, he has, he has the credibility from the inner circle feud. And he has the 
signs. The signs are good, but they're also yes. not a promo. That's not enough. Yes. And then and then uh, Darby Darby is more of a presence than than anything else. When he cuts up, when he opens his mouth, he becomes less interesting. And he's t- teaming with Sting. And, and Sting, he's a daredevil. It, Sting is covering up a lot of Darby's shortcomings. And yes. It's a wonderful pairing for that reason. But when you talk about someone as a pillar, it's sort of like saying they're a champion without the belt. That there's like their their essential itness is so much so that you know. They, they, their programs are always made of NT and our Darby Allen's inability to do the promo and have to get by on uh, the, the running joke of the student art films, I think is a problem. I think it's a shortcoming. We'll talk Atlas once we get to Friday, but yeah, I, I think he's behind MJF definitely. And he's also behind Britt Baker right now. He would be a, a solid three. If he, if, if he get, because he also cut some dreadful promos in NXT but they were the scripted kind. So we'll see what he can do. You know, you, you, you give him a little leeway here to see what he can do. But uh, his presence on Friday to me was uh, positive. Let's put it that way. He comes off as a star in there. But before that, we get to that, NXT ran New Year's Evil on Tuesday night. Fascinating show that basically killed off the black and gold brand forever, I think. Braun Breaker, your new... NXT champion defeating Tommaso Ciampa, symbolically kicking through the old symbol for NXT on his way to the ring. Not really, not really. <laughs> it wasn't subtle at all. Let's put it that way. Uh, Dad Rick Steiner in doing the crowd. It, doing it on New Year's Eve, no less, just to make sure that like New Year's Day was a new chapter. Well, this was New Year's Evil. So this was on January 2nd, no, 3rd yeah, or 4th. Yeah, no, I, I get you. I get you, but yeah. Yeah, uh, that was a fun match. Imperium versus Riddle and TMK was a lot of... Walter is a welcome presence in this NXT, as he will be anywhere he goes. But my God, Imperium as a three-man unit is so much fun. They're wonderful. It just feels like it's weird because they even feel like anathema to this goofy NXT era. Like like they just don't fit in in a world of Joe Gacy's and Harlan's and Andre yeah. Chase's. I thought the Roderick Strong Carmelo Hayes match was fun too. I mean, Melo's still raw and Roddy helped him through there. Uh, was a little shocked at the ending. I mean, I, I thought they might give it to Roddy to carry because I think Diamond Mind is a fairly strong stable to have there but uh yeah there's something there although uh trick williams uh overuses the level four oh my god face way too much at times uh, there are things i like <laughs> about trick williams but it's all got to be tamed and tempered still. yes yes he, he is a he is a uh he's a raw material that still needs to be formed in some way the women's triple threat the less said the better i thought it stunk <laughs> i did i Cora Jade had no reason to be in there, but man, I thought they were going to do it. I thought they were going to give her the title when I was watching that because there was a I think it's honestly a mistake not to, um, not because I think she's ready, but because the way you're utilizing her and the fact that it's NXT and like whose line is it anyways, the points don't matter. Go ahead, just put the belt. It's interesting that Mandy Rose is considered quote unquote new even though she's a veteran person in this division now and and but she's the only she's the last person standing out of all those which is weird. i mean you could say and it's not like she's around. like this veteran hand yes, to yeah. care. That, that's the thing that's weird i mean i guess she's closer than new in the sense that she really probably does need to be down there to be developed out a little bit it just 
I, I'm kind of with you. I would have had Roderick Strong. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from Arena Club. Dot com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network as the north american champion to at least have the veteran mid-card anchor to carry these other guys who are still kind of developing out to nice long form matches uh, that seems to make more sense to me than Mandy Rose. Yeah, I, she's just she's trying though. Man, Mandy had the helicopter, and I just I'm I'm yeah. okay. Wrestle Kingdom Night Two happened later that night. Uh, Okada retaining his IWGP Heavyweight Title by beating Will Ospreay. Story of the, of the night though, coming out of it, Tanahashi and Kenta's hardcore match. Kenta leaving with a dislocated left hip, a broken nose, tendon damage, and severe lacerations. My God, this guy also can't catch a break. But th this match was insane and almost unnecessary in many, many ways. And God bless Kenta for going through with it. But uh, he's going to be on the shelf for a while. Uh, it, it's wild uh, how beat up this guy has gotten. And, and uh, I mean... Tanahashi did a high fi fly flow from an 11-foot ladder through a table that Kenta was on. 
just insane. Uh, I mean, how many more matches do you think Kenta's got in him? Just like, it looks like he doesn't know how to go any other way than this. Yeah. Oh, sure. I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be on the shelf for a while. It, it took him out of the night three Wrestle Kingdom uh, multi-tag matches, which were uh, set up on this show as well as Muda and his Noah army came in to uh, to announce their presence. Muda's, Muda, Muda, Muda's looking every bit his age these days, so I feel kind of bad for him. Muda's been looking every... Well, okay. It is not fair to say Muda was looking his age 10 years ago because yes. 10 years <laughs> ago, Muda looked 60. Yes. Uh, and so that would have been unfair. Now now he, now now he is 60, 60 and, and he looks 60. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Wednesday is when things got interesting because here comes the news and the cuts. Matt Stryker gone from impact play-by-play. I think this is more or less of a win. Uh, look, I liked Matt Stryker when he first started in WWE, and then someone started coaching him. And then he started kind of going into business for himself. And be it Lucha Dude, Underground, Lu- which you Lucha know. Underground, yeah, Lucha Underground. I got a lot of Stryker, and I, I got a real strong taste of this dude. There are things that Stryker can do well, and then there is Matt Stryker has the Pat McAfee issues, only he's a commentary guy. Um, and so he'll get distracted and he'll start talking about random stuff when he's not interested in the match. And it's from the play-by-play position. And therefore, it's more glaring. Like, I, I mean, he. I remember one time I was watching Lucha Underground and Matt Stryker brought up the planet Nibiru. Um, the planet Nibiru. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I will never forget this, Jeff. Um, the planet Nibiru, the the hoax planet from the early 20th centuries, uh, particularly around like the 1930s or so. People uh, thought that there was a planet known as Nibiru out there. Um, I don't know why I remember Matt Stryker talking about this on Lucha Underground. Many more important things in my life have happened, but I will always remember that Matt Stryker was doing play-by-play on that day so he should have been calling arm drags and not alternate names for pluto meanwhile over at nxt in orlando they started cutting people the night after a show that mostly got heavy praise your triple h gotta be a little bit bummed out because these are mostly targeted at you sir (laughs) on the performer side timothy thatcher danny birch both cut hideki suzuki aka hachi man of diamond mind also cut he was a trainer in the trainer field, Scott Armstrong, trainer of the referees, Road Dog, Brian James, cut Ace Steel, Dave Kapoor, who is beloved on the writing teams of all the brands. He was as close to his uh, head of creative as he could get. Ryan Katz, the promo guy for, for NXT, and William Regal. Oh, in addition, Allison Danger, Kathy Carino, whose child started a new school that very day. <laughs> Just if you want to read a nice, nice rant, go read Lenny Leonard's thoughts on Allison Danger, Kathy Carino being cut. But when you look at it, here's the issue. The referee trainer was cut. The promo trainer was cut. And the women's trainer was cut from NXT. Who's teaching them these days? In addition, I had a few people drop into my DMs just giving nothing but praise for Dave Kapoor and his work and being the real glue of that of not only the NXT writing team, but the main roster writing team when he was 
you know, he was as close to running creative as you got post Stephanie McMahon. So just some interesting, uh, and Regal, of course, Regal, <laughs> Regal with his vast knowledge and veteran veteran hand and, you know, confidence and just guiding a lot of these indie guys into the quote unquote, look at the hard cam type of training <laughs> that they'd get here. But still, I mean, look, the guys who came from the Indies had to learn some TV style. So, I mean, it, it's not, I just, if I'm Triple H, I'm like, dude, just give me my cubicle and I'll go sit there for eight hours a day. You can pay me. Just don't ask me to do anything for you. Yeah, I, I'd even see if uh, you could get a uh, do your work from home sort of gimmick because uh, it's pretty clear that they don't actually want his, him to really do his work from the office and uh, see if you can get one of those gimmicks and start planning what your next chapter is going to be uh, business-wise because it's not going to be in WWE. They're never going to execute your vision. That being said, Hunter's vision, I think in a lot of ways, is sound. I think that we saw in the last decade that when Hunter gets to do his thing, Bailey Sasha, that NXT takeover, um, it's a pretty enjoyable wrestling product. There were people on the main roster begging to go to NXT. Yes. And I, I think that Paul Levesque, if he had his own wrestling promotion, I would be very interested in seeing what he came up with. And I think there are a lot of people who would feel the same way I do, um, where they want something different WWE. AEW is nice, but AEW also leaves room for another competitor or another flavor in the market. And Paul Levesque's NXT of the mid-teens was quite good, and yeah. I would like more of it. That, that NXT single-handedly built the WWE women's division right now on the main roster. And they're still basically living off of that. Yes. I mean, if they didn't have Bailey, Sasha and uh, Charlotte and Becky, they'd have nothing. They'd Correct. have nothing, nothing, Correct. nothing, nothing. Correct. They, and they, and they would, Os- be, I'd include Oscar in that as they'd well. They'd be Maybe as bad. They, they, right. They, and that's another NXT uh, Hunter era as well. Yes. So they would, they would basically have the worse than the Omega AEW women's division. They'd have there. Natty and they'd have Tamina. Those are the only two non NXT people that went through that entire process. And yeah, Natty can do a 20 minute match, but like we would now be on like Natty would now be on like her 17th title reign and we'd all hate her because she still can't do a promo. (laughs) Yeah. And the, the Ryan cats and road dog and Scott Armstrong cuts had to be, and and even regal because regal and triple H are tight, 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 tight. I mean, triple H went to bat for him when Regal was having substance abuse problems and things like that. So, I mean, it was, those, those are all a message to triple H and in a non AEW world, we'd still have a great NXT. I think in many ways, even with some of these new kids, I mean, I think they have been demobilizing Hunter's vision of NXT for a while, for a while. And it's, I mean, like, look, when the AEW Wednesday night Wars started, it wasn't like they actually wanted to go to war with Hunter's army, right? Like they yeah. didn't want to actually execute general Hunter's battlefield plan. They, they, they wanted, wanted, they basically wanted Bruce Pritchard to go in there and run the right. army. And, and, and like, and like, sort of like, 
noodle around like you know like kind of dibble and dabble around uh like that first general it will not shock me if bruce pritchard is sent down to the pc to just run nxt with his former health issues and things like that i i could see that happening meanwhile over on tbs the debut of dynamite to 1 million 10 000 viewers pretty good number from there we had the brian page rematch did not go to a draw so neither mark henry nor big show got a chance to turn heel and ask for a title shot much like terry funk at music city uh was it was it i want oh, wrestle war 89 i want yeah, jerry, jerry lynn. yeah jerry lynn. <laughs> jerry goes for the title yeah okay cool uh jade cargill defeating R- ruby soho in what appeared to be almost a babyface shine type of presentation for Jade Cargo. Got to talk about this for a second after I get through the last one. And then the Jurassic Express and the Lucha Brothers. Jungle Boy finally getting a title reign here as part of the new AEW Tag Team Champs. Ray Phoenix at the end of the match, completely unnecessarily unnecessary table bump, ends up dislocating his arm. I thought for sure he had broken it, but luckily he hasn't, but we'll see what kind of tendon damage and things like that. Just a dumb thing there where alex abrahantes goes insane for some reason and starts pulling a table out and then he had that weird ending where all the tag teams come out and half of them are looking bored in the audience it just when you should be putting over this is a debut on diamond you should have put over page strong you should have put over your women's champs strong here with with vignettes and they say you should put over your tag team champs strong and just have them celebrate and enjoy that as opposed to hey here's all the other members of the tag team division in aew now let me go to my one thing because i'm putting this out there as a possibility chris and you can walk me back if i've gone over the line here they showed jade cargill's daughter this entire time is it possible that this was a shot at the big swole interview where she was talking about her daughter not being able to see black excellence as a champion? I don't want to be that cynical. But, Chris? I mean, if that's the case... I don't know that the daughters saw that, but they definitely saw their mother have a title match. <laughs> Look, it, this whole present she she came out in the storm outfit from the X Men. She's be, she's a family person. What the what the hell was this presentation I, it, it, of your it's, monster it's deal? Super baffling, and to have Ruby Soho, who's like hardcore fan favorite, go. I mean, everything about this is so weird. I, I and I knew that they wanted to belt Cargill. Uh, that was the plan here. But like, I, I think they're going to have real troubles with her when, when it comes to, there's going to just be so many smoke and mirrors in every one of her matches because Ruby so had to kill herself to make Cargill look good. Here. Oh yeah. yeah. And there were there. I mean, look, Jade, God bless her. Like I said, we're not workers, but she never put her, she never put her shoulders flat on the mat for any of those pins. I'm watching that. I'm going, that's just basic one-on-one stuff. You could see the, the, the end that what that avalanche, what's I don't know what her finishers called. I forgot what it was. Is it called the jaded? Is that what it is? Something to that effect, but you could see like Ruby trying to position herself and then they do it and she, and they do a quick cutaway because it didn't land exactly correctly. And it was just, 
they they were trying to do a lot here and i think simple storytelling would have worked a little bit more um i just i jade can't do 20 minute matches either so so how quickly uh, you i get mean the this this, this is what i'm saying when we're talking about some of these other discussions about who should or shouldn't be champion who should or shouldn't be getting pushes the conversation starts with is this person someone who is ready today, January 8th, or whatever day it is, to be carrying 30-minute matches, 20-minute matches, where more often than not, they're the best person in the ring. And, like, Jade Cargill is so obviously not. And you have to you have to put a whole bunch of stuff around her to make her feel like an upper echelon act. She's the ultimate warrior. Um, and the ultimate warrior has got a place. But the ultimate warrior's place is uh, as a as a fast attraction in the middle of the show that we enjoy those seven or eight minutes and they're exciting and zippy. And then we go to the actual steak dinner. Yes, that's a a pretty good uh, analogy there. Uh, Then later that night during the rampage tapings, Jake Atlas injures his knee. In a match against uh, Adam you, Cole. Do you want to do anything about Paige and uh, Danielson? The end of the program. Oh yeah, I, I I liked this. Uh, I liked this match. I didn't like it, it. Didn't love it. Yeah, that's exactly where it was I, too. Look, they wanted to make that. They wanted to make the story about headbutts, which makes me a little bit queasy with Daniel Bryanson involved, or Brian Danielson. God dang it, <laughs> Brian Danielson involved. I didn't think the blood was earned. I gotta be honest with you. I think they went to, and look. If you're a TV exec. And you're watching this between the Phoenix injury and the Brian and, and the page Brian match. Are you getting and, a little and, squeamish? And, and then also like last week, the bunny and uh, all of that, the street fight with, with all the, I, I, I am that was with late you. night though. That was 10 PM. I could get that. I, I get that. But then I think that's also of a piece. Like yeah. I get that, that you can go that's at 10 PM. Okay. But like you guys keep doing these, like, violence angles in ways that don't necessarily like they feel like you're doing them to do them and then trying to justify them in reverse rather than like sort of getting there i mean the, um, sto- co- the story of the page brian match was was that brian danielson had lost so much blood he couldn't stand up straight for when a for when the buckshot lariat came out that's Ah, that's tiptoeing some things, especially also the history of TBS wrestling where Dusty Rhodes was fired for putting blood on the screen. I mean, look, we've, we've evolved somewhat. You can now say the F word on basic cable after a certain point at night. I get that. Progress but, has finally been made. But is this but is this the debut show you want necessarily? I mean, because look, blood brings in the dudes and turns off the women. And I know we're that. Demographics not the ones I date. <laughs> Oddly enough, not the ones I've dated either, because they all, oh, I want to see that Japanese barbed wire exploding. What? <laughs> I don't watch that every week. What are you talking about? But yeah, I, I liked this match. I didn't love it. I liked the first one a lot more. Yeah, and this program at the end of it just sort of left me cold. I, I, I get that it's like, I guess, you know, Danielson wanted the judges. You didn't want to do a judge decision. That would have been ultimately. They were red herring. 
Right. There's no course need for them. No, I get that they were a red herring. I mean, it, but like the problem with that as a red herring too is that if you're sort of narratively working this from reverse, the only way that it would have really worked at all is if Danielson had somehow won the title by judge's decision. Yeah. And like it was this grave injustice or whatever. Um, that like he actually managed to win it on points, and that was the start of the Danielson title reign. You didn't see that coming. I I, I think the problem with this program is what I said up front is that. Danielson, for his part, as a heel, it worked sometimes. It didn't work sometimes. Uh, in terms of a guy chasing for the title, you never, ever, ever believed that Adam Page was in any real trouble, which is why they found themselves going to all these gimmicks like the blood and all that other stuff to sort of cover up for the fact that the actual program didn't have any real intrigue. And, like, heel... Here's the other thing, too, with these challengers. I think the mind needs to be able to actually imagine, like, what the challenger as champion would be like. And heel Brian Danielson as champion just never had any real intrigue yeah. um, in terms of, like, I'm not saying, like, oh, I'd rather him be a babyface than a heel. I'm saying, like, what are the good stories that a heel Brian Danielson was going to be able to tell it, it, with the lay of the land being what it was right now? And there weren't any. And so, the, as such, you, you never never really bite into the program as it were it i just this this is an unfortunate first title program for adam page in the sense that i don't really think he got much and i think worst worst of all is that we spent most of the program talking about missteps with danielson rather than talking about great moments for adam page and all of these programs are really supposed to be vehicles to make adam page feel bigger and better um, and at the end of it, it was really ultimately about Danielson sort of playing himself. Yeah, and it was basically a makeup because Moxley wasn't around. I thought, oh, what other thing? It's MJF Punk feud. I had an argument with my co-host on the other show over at Fight Game Media. But wait, well, you've got another co-host other than me? Yeah. You're you know. cheating on me? I'm not cheating on you. It's, a, it's, a, it's big of me. It's big of all of us. Oh, <laughs> you're, you're Polly now. I'm, I'm Polly podcast. Okay, I, whatever. But I do, I do, I do a hot. I, take. I believe in traditional podcast values. Thanks. <laughs> so did I for a long, long time. Got me nowhere. No, I, no. Uh, I I do a hot take show right after Dynamite, and I, I do this, and my, my co-host there, Paul Fontaine, uh, did not like this Captain Sean Dean. CM Punk thing to get over it. I thought it was brilliant in that CM Punk, this is obviously kind of like the the uh Pat McAfee Adam Page thing. Not Adam Page, Adam Cole, where Cole's a jerk. McAfee's still a heel and calling out Cole as the jerk entire time. MJF knows that Punk is a jerk. <laughs> and so Punk goes in there. He doesn't apologize to Sean Dean before kicking him in the gut and getting the DQ. He just does the GTS. So he's he has to be turning heel eventually down the road. No, no, sure no, 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 no. Sean Dean was talking shit to Punk the whole time. Like, hey, you came down here. You interrupted my match. Blah, 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 blah. No, he didn't. He was talking to MJF to get in the ring. Oh, was he? Yeah. I thought he was like, no, he didn't. No, he didn't talk trash to punk at all. That's, that's oh, oh, the okay. weird thing. So punk's going to turn out to be this self-centered jerk. 
but it's it's a slow turn and we're slowly getting to it i i get it look i i understand and like who was it alvarez over at wrestling observer was like why why can't the referee see that obviously he doesn't want to do blah 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 i like the idea of the baby face coming down and giving the heel losses so that he can't qualify for a title fight i thought it was fun no i had no problem with that uh i i mean and honestly like i didn't i i i just had no problem with it okay uh, yeah i i and I did think that what's his name was talking trash at least. I'll have to rewatch point. it, but I thought he yeah, was—I I thought I, he was I, basically I, egging on MJF to come in the ring and fight. CM no, Punk. yeah, I, I thought he was kind of like, like also being like, "Hey, why'd you come down here and interrupt my match?" Blah 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 uh, blah. blah. Like I thought there was kind of like this implication that he was sort of acting like he actually had a chance against MJF, rather than being realistic that MJF handpicked him because this guy is out of his league. Reiterating, Jake Atlas injured during the Rampage tapings against Adam Cole. Man, he says he may not need surgery, but that looked like that looked like a torn something or other <laughs> to me. Uh, hopefully, he heals quick here. Get to Thursday. We have a couple more NXT releases. Gabe Sapolsky, the ex-leader uh, of Evolve, and Samoa Joe, who had been working as a scout and also on-screen town of time, both released. Boy, if Joe decides he wants to go to AEW... They got some ready-made matches in there for him. Uh, I think a Joe program is super exciting for any number of different people. Uh, I think a Joe Punk and Danielson faction is a faction that has so much mileage going up against the AEW vice presidents. Grizzled old veterans. Come on, give it to me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Whoever you want to put them up against. I I mean, give me a multi-man with Joe Punk and Danielson um, to close out most weeks on Dynamite, and I'm happy. Be any any two of those guys in a tag team match, and then you can do trios. And I, I I just think there's so much mileage for Joe. If he's ready to go, I'd love to see him again. Also, WWE announcing that their next Saudi Arabia show, February nineteenth, <laughs> and, and that's like the show in between Rumble and Mania, so it might yeah. actually have some canon in it now. Oh no, they they did that last time too. I think somebody's getting a title out of this. I think they're going to do that because they. Saudi Arabia wants their own mania, and this is going to be their mania. These are going to be bigger matches. So it will be in Canada. It'll be interesting. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll have it on in the background as I work that day. I just, I, I'm still somewhat uncomfortable watching it, but we'll see. Get to Friday, Friday, SmackDown. Women's Royal Rumble participants are announced by and Pat McAfee mentioning the impact knockouts champion. Mickey James will be part of the Royal Rumble. Chris, the forbidden door is open and it goes through impact wrestling. It's it's just a beautiful thing, man. Uh, to see <laughs> Mickey back in WWE, she was treated like a star the last time around. They took care of oh, her. Oh, I almost spit my drink, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, take care of her on screen, off screen. Yeah. yeah. So I can't wait. Can't wait. Oh, God. Yes. Boy, I hope she leveraged them for money. I do. I asked, uh, I, I, and you know what? Here, I will say this: you nerds on the internet who are like, "I can't believe Mickey James is going crawling back to WWE." It's a paycheck it's a for paycheck. one day. It's a of big the paycheck year. for one day. It's a, it's a big paycheck for one day of the year. And, and if you had that big paycheck for one day of the year, you'd hold your pride in one hand, and then you'd hold the check in the other, and you'd go, "See you, pride. I'll take this money." 
Yeah, no, I asked, uh, is Mickey, did, did Vince know if Mickey is still empl- is employed now? And they said, yes. So <laughs> I was just, I was kind of wondering if they're reaching out there. Uh, look, if I'm them, if I'm impact, I say, Hey, let her eliminate a couple of people before you get rid of her. And then, you know, you know, it's weird. At, because- at least then you get the footage of showing Mickey James on WrestleMania. I, me- I do actually think that's useful. Yeah, because let me let me put something in perspective for people who who were talking about how great the AEW impact relationship was. Twice as many people watch SmackDown every week as they do Dynamite. So twice as many people know that Mickey James it what is the impact knockouts champion then knew that Kenny Omega at any time had a title in impact probably. So, so there purists take that. And we had a pretty good tag team street fight. Again, the Usos and the new day can't do any wrong. Although I didn't see any point to this. I, that's the thing is they can't do any wrong, but like Usos and new day, it's fine, but I can't keep seeing it every week. Like at this point, once or twice a year. Dope twice a month no thanks as we get into now rampage dustin rhodes was announced on rampage as the interim tnt champion for battle of the belts on saturday we're already doing interim titles it's like the ufc again it's uh interesting i guess i just would have done a match to be honest with you but it's battle of the belts chris any thoughts here I, you gotta do what you gotta do, yeah. But it's it's weird. I, I'm sure they'll find a way to bring it back around. I, I guess the only thing about the interim champion thing is you could have Cody have a match against Dustin and like go heel on Dustin. Well, we know who won the match, so it won't be Dustin. Let's put it that yeah. way. Uh, Hook and Aaron Solo had a match. Hook once again being treated like the killer he is. All. Oh. 185 pounds of him. He is a world champion. Shut up. <laughs> and uh, and my my match of the night, 2.0 and Daniel Garcia against Eddie Kingston and Proud and Powerful. This was a fun street fight. These guys love them. To, I love the knucklehead crew. 2.0 and Daniel Garcia are great. Yeah, there's just something about you want to taste that like keeps getting funnier and funnier. <laughs> like like that it's like not quite a threat. Like it's their version of a threat, but like it's kind of a much, goofy threat. Much better than calling them pinhead and squarehead. Oh, and God, and Philip. Jericho's horrible. Yes. He's like horrible. Uh, beyond me not wanting to cheer for him as a baby face, like I, I'll put the, all of that stuff in, in, in in a in a box you know i I think it's great that he showed up to work on a big anniversary this week and i'll put that in a box too um i just think his jokes suck they're terrible he's doing and the the worst part is that like he tries to get the crowd to get into them too and so it's even more lamesville cringe you know what it is it's 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 purely out of the wwe playbook like when they like when the rock would come back and try and get over like Rudy Tootie booty or whatever it is. There, there's over. that, but it's almost close to suffer and succotash. Suffer and succotash. It's very close to that. Yeah. It, it's just ridiculous. But uh, yeah, no, that was a fun little rampage show. And we finally get to today, Saturday started the morning. Interesting impacts getting uh filling in their void at play by play guy by hiring Tom Hannafin, AKA Tom Phillips, ex of WWE. 
I think this is a pretty good hire. I, I always liked Tom. Uh, I think this is an upgrade. Uh, I think yes. Tom, when he's good, is real good. I'll talk about him a little bit in a second. But first, we get to Battle of the Belts, which is just. Boy, when they announced Battle of the Belts, I thought it was a big time type of show. And it just turned out to be a placeholder. Something to counter program, maybe against Hard to Kill. Do you, do you need some time off to go get the cat? No, no. She <laughs> just needs to not groom her hot spots. She's giving herself bald, bald spots again. I'm trying to be a responsible <laughs> cat father, Hawkins. But as you can see, the, the disciplined usage of the snap is all it takes to bring order to an otherwise unordered world. Yeah, they, they let's put it this way. On this Battle of the Belt show, one belt was an interim title. One belt was an imaginary title that's not in canon. And then you had the women's title which I think was also part of the point. You're programming against football, and I guess they just wanted to make their women's division the star of the show. But anyways, your results here. Sammy Guevara is the interim TNT champ, so I assume we're going to have a unification bout somewhere down the road. Decent match, nothing to write home about. Uh, I thought Dustin was very, very good here. Uh, then you had Ricky Starks taking on... Uh, who did he fight for the... For the oh God, I already forgot here. Who did he fight for the... Uh, FTW title and beat. Oh, uh, Matt Seidel. He beat, play, beat Matt Seidel. Right. Like as though, as though Seidel was ever going to beat Starks. Right. And then they, they set up a Dante Martin program afterwards. Oh, uh, looks like the interim title might be another belt that's being defended elsewhere though, while the real TNT belt is out. Cause they don't know how long it's going to be out, but uh, Daniel Garcia came in, started business with Sammy Guevara. I think that's going to be fun, fun, fun. I think it's going to be really fun. I mean, look, uh, Daniel Garcia is a guy who they had that little like hot moment with earlier last year or like towards the end of last year. And I think this is a guy who this year, um, yeah, we need to get him into title programs. Um, And he is a guy who would actually benefit from a title chase where you don't necessarily think he's going to win the belt, but he has a good match and just delivers when it comes time for the bell to ring. Um, so I, I think that this is this is a great year for Daniel Garcia and this Guevara program. So it's a step in the absolute direction I'd put him. And then uh, Britt Baker, DMD, defended her women's title against Riho in what was a pretty darn good match. Uh, I'm not the biggest Riho fan in the world, but this was pretty good. Far too many, though, Jamie Hayter, Rebel, Antics. Again, they're still continuing to build this split between Jamie Hayter and DMD. Just get to it, guys. Just get to it. All righty. Let 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 Brit stand on her own as a heel and cut some promos. But uh, yeah, that was a pretty uneventful battle of the belts. At the same time, hard to kill impacts first event of the year was going on. Thought Tom Phillips was a very good play by play guy. I got to watch most of this speedball Bailey added to the four way. It's nothing but a positive for me. I like Mike speedball Bailey a lot. He does a karate kid type gimmick high flyer. That was fun. The knockouts. X division uh, or ultimate X match over impact is the place to go for women's wrestling in the States right now. They are just on another level. This, 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 this knockouts X division or ultimate X match was insane. Much like you saw the women really try and put it out there with the first women's war games match. And even Bailey and Sasha at, at, uh, at Brooklyn, when they're given it, when good women are given a chance to shine, they'll go insane trying to shine. I mean, and that just even goes back to the street fight from last week. I mean, they were insane and doing Jordan Grace doing doing spots from from the from the ropes. It's it just it was really really good. That was a 
Tasha Steeles, I believe, won that one. And then uh, also in the main event, the women main event of this event, Mickey James indeed uh, retaining her, her Impact Knockouts title. So she will be taking that to the Rumble. Maybe. Maybe they'll show it. Maybe they'll allow her to take it. Versus Deanna Perazzo in a Texas death match. These two. <laughs> we, we had... We had chairs, we had thumbtacks, we had a guitar spot on the former, uh, who, who's the guy who used to sing for Rusev Day? Oh, Aiden English. Yeah, his name's Matt uh, Way, I forgot the last name, but he, he's, he's helping the second Deanna here. Uh, you know, the rest, of the, the rest of the show wasn't too bad, but the women really brought it here. And I thought Tom Phillips and, and Ian Riccoboni in the uh, Jonathan Gresham Ring of Honor uh, title ma- or pure match. I think it was, I don't know if it was the title or the pure, but uh, the other main storyline coming out of this is it looks like they're going to be doing a ring of honor invasion angle of sorts as, uh, as Vincent PCO and uh, OGK, Matt Taven and uh, uh, the guy who blocked me, uh, Maria and uh, Mike Bennett all showed up to uh, interfere in a match. Uh, so, and Roxy also was in the audience for the, uh, women's match. So it looks like there's gonna be some heavy, heavy ring of honor involvement with impact going forward, at least for the next couple months. Sounds good. I didn't see it. So I, that's I, fine. I, no, yeah. I just wanted to say that, but, uh, yeah, this was a heavy week of wrestling. Hopefully next week will be a little lighter can really dig into it, but, sort of, uh, sort of necessarily. So it would have to be right. Yes. I, Unless I don't want to jinx it. So I don't want to say anything completely negative about something happening to somebody or something like that. Yeah. But, yeah. Try uh, not, yeah. I'll talk about that. Yeah. One. Let's not go there. So we'll end it here. This has been shake them ropes. I am crap game 13 on Twitter. Chris is at DWATG. You can just follow the show at shake them ropes. We are part of the voices of wrestling podcasting network. Chris also does a Patreon. Uh, he's going to tell you about now. Yeah, don't worry about the government. Uh, we'll be taping some more shows here later this month. Uh, as for this week, if you were in the Dallas area and you want to come see me play out live, um, Wither Blooms is playing Friday night at Amplified Live out here in Dallas, Texas. Tickets are $12, $15 at the door. If you're in Dallas and you have been listening to me talk about polit- or wrestling, uh, in this case, for years and years and years, and you've always heard me allude to playing guitar, or sometimes occasionally half-assedly playing guitar <laughs> on this show here, like like you know my, my favorite jam, Four Non-Blondes. No, no, no. So you go and get your tickets for yeah. Friday night and Jeff Hawkins was gonna play the Yeah, some crap like that. What's going on? What's going on is you can see Wither Blooms at Amplified Live and you can listen to Don't Worry About the Government on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Patreon.com slash DWATG. I love you people. And I want to say one last thing, Hawkins. I am dedicating this show today in loving memory of Cody. Um, He's fine, but I forgot what he looks like and what he sounds like. So I'm, I'm dedicating the show to his memory. What's going on? What's going on?